Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brook, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Amy Basto, I am so happy to have you on the She's the Boss chats today. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, I'm dying to know (laughs) all about you. I know that you have a virtual piano academy, so I hope I'm not giving away your secrets. No, no, not at all. um, That's what intrigued me. I was like, God, anyone who's learning, teaching people when it's virtual is doing really well. But let's start with what do you do and why do you do it? Right. Well, it's been a long and winding journey. Um, so basically, it started when I was very, very young and there was a, a piano that we had sitting in the house. And my love for music really, um, it started way, way back when I was still in nappies. And it's been a lifelong journey ever since then, which has taken me on many, many twists and turns to get to oh, where yeah. I am today with the Virtual Piano Academy, which I guess we'll So talk tell us about. what exactly you're doing today and now, and then I'm going to get you to wind we'll right the way backwards. back to when you were a baby in nappies. I love but let's it. just start up with what is it that you're actually doing now? Where was the gap that you saw that you decided to set it up? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm, um, I've just started running a Virtual Piano Academy, and essentially, it's come out of um, this whole COVID online yeah. thing that we're all so desperately trying to navigate. Hard to right? give piano lessons with social isolation, exactly. I guess. So is that where it started? Yeah, that's where it started. Look, I've been teaching piano traditionally, like in person for nearly 20 years, and um and at the beginning of COVID, obviously, we all went online and we all started to, you know, become very intimate with Zoom and, and figuring out how we were going to do life and business online. Now, um, for piano lessons, that posed quite a challenge because I had, <laughs> I had moments where I would... I'd be teaching a student on Zoom and, of course, we all know that Zoom can cut in and out and it can be quite glitchy oh, at the best yes. of times. And so I had no idea whether this student was actually playing correctly or not. And I found that we were spending half of the lesson just asking to go back and forth. Can you do that again? I'm not sure if the, it was, you know, the yeah, glitchy right. internet rhythm or whether you're playing that incorrectly. So it was very, very frustrating. And I just thought, goodness me, there has to be an easier way to teach piano online. And so I had a bit of a ponder and I I think about how I could sort of reshape things and work things so that it was more, um, you know, more more, uh, a nicer experience for both the teacher and the student. Yeah. So I thought, well, look, why instead of having a um, a Zoom session, why not get the student to upload videos performing what they've been working on each week, oh right? God. Because then we don't have to worry about the, the glitchy, you know, cutting in and cutting out. They can record it whenever they like. Um, yes. And that actually and meant. And- yeah, practice exactly. it so that the, what they show you is the perfect version. Exactly, exactly. So actually what happened um, was it sort of opened up this whole new flexibility in the way piano lessons are conducted because at the moment you're really set to a specific time where you have to log on at, say, 4 o'clock. You've got your half an hour with your teacher and half of that time we spend, you know, dealing with technical issues yeah. and then you don't get very much done. So um, so basically uh, it freed up that, you know, that that set lesson time uh, and it means that the student can upload their video whenever they like really on that day or 
you know, as long as I get that video um, yeah. during the day sometime, I've got flexibility then in when I can um, review it and give them feedback and send back. And how do you give them the feedback then? Do you record the yeah. feedback and send so it back I as well? so I record video feedback and send it back to them. That is just, it's such, I love things that happen that just seems so incredibly obvious as soon as you do them you know like wow no one's thought of this before but you could teach anyone in the world anytime and actually that's true we've got a a number of students that have come on internationally and what I found is a lot of adult students who were you know before they couldn't really commit to an after school time because they were so busy with the kids and then they're working during the day and they just really couldn't commit to a regular set lesson time and shift workers and doctors and nurses and people who are kind of you know their schedules are all over the place with this new method it sort of organically just became this sort of piano lessons for really busy humans that sort of don't have to sort of commit to this one time a week and you can be really flexible. I love it but one of the things that I remember from doing piano lessons when I was young and I was terrible at it was (laughs) that you know the teacher would show you where to put your fingers on the keyboards and things so how do you deal with that kind of stuff? Well, that's so much easier with video, actually, because think about if you're going to a lesson with a teacher and you've got them for half an hour, they demonstrate something on the piano and then the student gets home and sits down to practice and then goes, oh, hold on. Um, What was it again? I can't remember. Oh, yes. Of course, now they can play it like five times (laughs) if they want to first. It's it's all there for them. They can watch it in in slow-mo. They can speed the video up to, you know, two times the speed if they want to try it faster or slower. So it's actually such a simple, simple idea. And I'm so, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I reckon, I mean, this could be a game changer completely for the whole industry. Well done. Oh, thank you. I feel like sometimes, you know, um, necessity spurs innovation. Absolutely. (laughs) It does. It it throws up opportunities as as much as it does obstacles. It it does. So talk to me. I'm imagining that there was just one final straw with something that gave you that light bulb moment. And you went, hang on a minute. Why don't I just record it? Or why don't you record it and send it to me? So tell me that story. What actually happened? Yeah, well, I think um, similar to what I was saying before, I think I was in the middle of teaching a lesson on Zoom and I was just so frustrated and I thought if, you know, if COVID's going to be around for indefinitely, we don't know, we're still in it, it's been months now and I just thought, look, um, you know, the next six or 12 months teaching like this is just going to be a nightmare on Zoom. Surely there has to be a better way. And then I just, I thought, look... I wonder if we can submit video, like the students can submit videos instead. Why don't I just ask one student to do it, to send through yeah. a video and see whether it's something that, that works. Right. Um, so I got a guinea pig, a student who was happy to give it a try. And, um, yeah, she loved it. And I thought, hold on, I'm, I'm going to build a platform that, that does this as a kind of, you know, as a whole experience. Oh, so you're getting all involved in the tech side as well. Have oh, you, boy. Have... Oh boy. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I set up a SaaS platform myself. I know what a nightmare it can be. I'm not Especially... a techie person, but no, I've had I know. to learn see, to be. You know music and you know yeah. how it should be done, but it's a whole other ball game when you start trying to tell uh, a software guy 
what it is that you want. So, so are you? Have you built it, or are you? I have. I've done it myself. Oh Um, my god! Well done. Uh, Look, I mean, being a musician, you do have to have a little bit of skill with technology and recording software and so forth. And I have built a, a website for my, you know, for my personal music. Uh, work in the past so I did have a little bit of knowledge but Google has been my best friend over the last few months how do yeah, I, I do blah <laughs> and you, you know as I'm thinking about it and I'm also thinking about my boyfriend who's a drummer and actually has been he and his the bandmates often send each other videos and I'm like You've called it the Virtual Piano Academy. I think you might need to change the name to the Music Academy and just have all different instruments. You know what? You might have just let the cat out of the bag there, Jules. <laughs> That's all right. This shouldn't be out for a couple of months, so that'll give you a bit of time to get that it gives up me, and running. But- yeah. Very that's clever. The, um, yeah, that's the grand plan, actually. I mean, my specialty is obviously um, piano. That's my instrument. I have, uh, as a composer as well, I've, I've dabbled with with many other instruments. But in terms of my, you know, my skill, that's um, yeah. piano is my instrument. But having that said, that it, yeah, that's sort of the grand plan is to take this uh, this model and then yeah, build it out to you know string and instruments so, and guitar and so forth. So would the idea be that you would employ the teachers or invite teachers to come? along and then sell their services and they get love it love it love it love it exactly yeah i've actually already got one other teacher on board who's based in new york so we're going going global already which is exciting and then there'll be that flip thing because there'll be australians who go oh my god a teacher in new york i'd love it and there'd also be americans i imagine who go oh my god a teacher in australia exactly exactly i love it i just think that's so clever all right so now let's go right the way back to you in nappies yeah Falling in love with music. Can you tell me the journey that's brought you to where you are now? Yes, goodness me. Um, All right, so we're going way back. Um, Yeah, yeah. I grew up in... Hundreds um, of years. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Giving away my age. Um, No, you only look like you're about 30. Come on. Oh, yeah, pretty close. Um, um, (laughs) So, look, way back. I grew up in in outback rural New South Wales in a tiny, tiny little town called Gilgandra. Um, If you blink, you'll miss it. But uh, the closest, the closest large city is Dubbo. Uh, everyone knows the Dubbo Zoo. So if you sort of right. think in that that general area, so not a lot was going on out there when I was growing up. So um, I had plenty of time to practice the piano, and luckily for me, I had a, a very musical family, and they were very very supportive. We actually had a musical um, a band, a family band. Oh my god, like I love traps. that. Yes, I know. It's it's um, That's so like the Partridge family, which exact, you probably haven't even heard of, exactly but I love that. It was exactly like that. I was so <laughs> not the cool kid at school, but it was pretty awesome as my first job to be playing music on the weekends and um you know, getting to spend that time with my family. And I, that, that was my job for, you know, for my teenage years. So playing keyboards in my family band, which is, you know, very, very daggy. But um, That's amazing. Hang on, I just want to wind you back because you said at the beginning of this, I was in nappies when I fell in love with music. And then you said you were five when you started piano. Mm. So you can't skip forward to when you're a teenager. I want to know what happened there first. <laughs> okay, so right, right the way back, yeah. So, um... As I said, we have a, a. I grew up in a musical family, so we always had a piano in the house. So yep. I would jump on the piano, and you know, I would just uh, I'd play around with it. And um, eventually, my mum thought, "Oh, I should probably probably get piano lessons for Amy. She's on the piano a lot, but she probably has you know, no idea what she's doing and, and uh, developing horrible techniques." So anyway, look, we we didn't have. Um, 
we didn't have much money when I was growing up. So my mom actually ended up um, working with a local, uh, the local piano teacher, and she would um, she would clean her house in exchange for Good piano lessons. lessons for me. So oh, she, what a gorgeous story! Yeah, already look, I love it. Talk about like you know inspiring women in in our lives. My mother has to be definitely at the top of the list, and my grandmother as well. I was essentially raised by my mother and my grandmother, and um, my grandmother lived with us at the time. And um, all throughout my childhood years, I would um, you know take these lessons, and that my mum would exchange for cleaning the piano teacher's house, and I slowly worked my way through all the piano grades very diligently. I was a very dedicated little student and right. I started writing my own music as well right from a very young age. So just Oh um, really? Yes, very intuitively. I wasn't really formally trained in, in any of that stuff. I just loved it so much and Well there's heaps and heaps of famous people that aren't formally trained that are just, you know, Savants like you, obviously. Well, I'm formally trained now, but um, but that that's um, if, if we're going chronologically, that's to come. But at this point in time, um, it was all very intuitive. Um, yeah. I think one of the one of the golden memories that I have is that my grandmother, who was um, uh, riddled with MS, she was in a wheelchair, but she would come and she'd wheel into the the room that the piano was in, and she'd sit by my side, and she would say. Um, Amy, can you play me, uh, you know, play me a scene and she'd, you know, tell a story and she'd ask me to play, you know, improvise oh. some music to it. So that was sort of my first. That's beautiful. That's so creative. It's not like play me this song. It's like no. I'm going to tell you a story and do the soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. And so, um, so that was my real first experience of, of writing music to a, to a picture, to a scene, to a scenario. And that got me really fascinated in film music. Um, so I started listening to you know all the famous film uh, film soundtracks and probably on record back then or a tape player or something you know very yeah. archaic um, and I just became fascinated with you know writing music orchestral music all kinds of music and all the while I was diligently practicing away at the piano so eventually throughout high school as I said before I was you know uh, playing in this family band and we were playing rock and pop and all different kinds of styles and I was learning classical piano um, in my lessons and um it just eventually got the better of me and I thought look I'm clearly going to have to study music so um I decided to apply for the Sydney Conservatorium. I thought, what's the best institution I can go and study music at? Is that um, the best one? Is that known to be the best? What's the Melbourne one like? Melbourne's great too. There's a lot. We actually have a lot of great um, music institutions in Australia. We're very lucky. But a small country girl like myself thought, where do I want to go? I picked the biggest city in Australia. That's where I want to go. And so I... um, so I uh, set my sights there. But as I said, I didn't, I, we didn't have any money. And I remember mum having the conversation with me. She said, look, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to be able to send you to, to university. And I just felt devastated. I just, I just so desperately wanted to go and so, so badly wanted to study music. And I just knew it was, wasn't going to be possible. So um, I went to the local library because we didn't have internet back then. I know it seems crazy, doesn't it? We did have internet, but our family the real didn't coal have miner's internet. daughter story. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so I would, I would, um, I'd go down to the the local library and use their internet. And I thought, right, how can I get to Sydney? How can I get my way to university? And I found all these music scholarships I could apply for. So. 
I decided to um, put in an application for a few of these music scholarships, which Did I... Did your mum know or were you doing this quietly because <laughs> no, you didn't want she... to upset her? No, no, she knew. She was very encouraging. She she really wanted me to go and obviously yeah. she's very, very supportive. Um so I I did I landed a couple of these music scholarships which enabled me to Woo-hoo! to travel to to the big smoke and to formally study music at the conservatorium in Sydney. So oh, I just what an felt- amazing story. You are obviously a woman who just doesn't take no for an answer. Correct, and I love that. <laughs> so. So um, where did you even stay in Sydney? I mean, was the scholarship accommodation yes, as well? Yes, I got a I got a scholarship to to live at the Women's College, which is a oh, residential campus. Yeah, a, a college on campus, and um, that was an, an amazing experience in itself because um, they had pianos there. I could you know I could live and study and just be immersed in the whole thing. So I was yes, very, and everyone very there loves music. So you're they you know do, you're yeah. in with all like minded people. Exactly, exactly. So I um so I moved there and I um I lived on campus for four years as I as I was a student and um again very diligent worked very hard but I started to broaden my musical horizons and um expanded beyond just the piano and learned orchestration and music technology and conducting and uh, music history theory all of that stuff and um you know really just dived really deep (laughs) into all aspects of music I was obsessed um (laughs) So um, where to from there? Uh, after I finished uh, at uh, the conservatorium... Well, I got... let me ask you a question. Do, do films come up again in your history? Oh, yes. Oh, good. Okay, keep going, keep going. I want to hear all of this. <laughs> I told you it was a long and winding journey. <laughs> oh, I love it. We've got um, plenty of time. Tell me the whole thing. The whole thing. Goodness, this must be incredibly boring. <laughs> no, I am loving it. This is so inspiring. So you finish uni, you've got very little money, but you've got a, obviously a, a, a good qualification. What does someone with a music degree go and do? Yeah, well, that was exactly the question I asked myself upon graduating. <laughs> <laughs> because unlike many of the other, you know, more traditional um, career choices where you can jump onto seek.com after, you know, you've got your qualification and go, all right, there's all these jobs here that I'm going to apply for and throw your hat in the ring and then you get something. Well, you type in your music jobs into, you know, one of these um, (laughs) job kind of, you know, platforms, zero, nothing comes up whatsoever. And I thought, "Mm, what does someone with a music degree specializing in um, composition, I actually kind of focused my my degree on composing. Um, so there was nothing. There was no jobs. And I thought, oh, I'm clearly going to have to create my own. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you. Every time you open your mouth, I love you. Okay, so what did you do? So um, that comes a little bit later. I actually, okay. for the first three years out of uni, I got very lucky and I landed a job teaching piano at St Andrews Cathedral School in Sydney. Uh, And there was an amazing head of music there who um, took me under her wing and she taught me everything I I know now about teaching and just, yeah, so I got got handed a bunch of, you know, five-year-olds to teach, (laughs) which is quite a challenge, but I learned so much about uh, teaching music and passing on uh, my knowledge. So I was... You know, I was very young, very green, but I learned a lot um, at that time. But after th- after about three years, I thought, I don't know if I want to do this 
forever. I I want to I want to compose and I really want to compose music for films. Right. So I decided that now was the time to really push Well, hard. you're in Sydney and Fox Studios are there and Universal and all the rest of it. So what did you do? Correct. Well, ironically, I actually moved to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I had just gone through a breakup and wanted to get the heck out of Sydney and use yeah. that as a bit of an, ex- an excuse for a life change. Um, so I, I did move to Melbourne um, with no job to go to, just as a, you know, I, I feel like this is the right thing to do. So I got to Melbourne and um, I put together a, a showreel. So I started right. to, to um, advertise my composing for film services all around Melbourne, having no idea what I was doing. I was so stabbing in the dark, no idea, no real... Well, I'd say almost everybody here is also has no idea how it yeah. normally works anyway, so... Oh, just when I look back now, the naivety, I wish I could bottle that up and take that with me <laughs> for the rest of my life because the more you, you know, the, the older you get and the more you learn about life, I think the less risks you take because... Well, you can start to get more cautious, but I'm mm. 54 and I'm not really following that rule, so I promise you it doesn't happen to everyone. <laughs> good. Oh, that's good to hear. But, I mean, I feel like when you're young and, you know, you've just got all these ambitions, these ideas, I just, I just didn't let fear get in my way and I just thought... I am going to write music for the movies. I don't know how or, you know, who's going to give me that opportunity. But you know what? All I need to do is get a website and put some music up on there and then people will hire me, surely, right? Yeah, (laughs) surely. Build it and they will come. Right. So that's exactly what I did. I I built a very basic uh, website on WordPress and, you know, watched a couple of YouTube videos or something and figured out how to do it. And then I created a, a showreel of music. So I strung together and edited together, a, a, you know, bits and pieces of what I had written and put up a kind of, you know, a, a showreel of, of what I can do. And then I literally went through every single contact I could find from every advertising agency, every production company, just everyone and emailed them. Hi, You're I'm amazing. nobody that you would know, but... I'm happy to write music for whatever you've got going. And of I course, bet you've got some interest because a lot of people, I know even in just from my podcasts and the TV show, how hard it is to actually find music. So I imagine, please tell me I'm right, that you had at least <laughs> one person that came back and went, this is brilliant. Mostly at that point, it was people coming back saying, um, yeah, look, we'll maybe we've got something for you. We don't know who you are. So look, why don't you do it for free or for very little money? <laughs> and we'll oh see how we God. go. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up getting a couple of short films and um, I got a couple of uh, student films. I'd emailed all of the uh, film schools. Um, so I started working with some young, young directors who were still in uh, you know, school themselves. Yeah. And I got some really great feedback from them about um, what, what I was doing. And um, a lot of those short films went on to festivals around the world and got exposure. And I thought, okay, I need to up this now. I need to, you know, take it to the next level. How do I do that? Hmm. So, look, I did spend a lot of time um, putting myself out there and throwing out many hooks and hoping that something was going to come back. Yeah. The, the turning point was randomly out of the blue 
one day I got a phone call from a woman called Sue Washington who was the post-production supervisor on a show at Channel 7. Right. She called me and I missed the call um, and I've still got the voicemail that she left to this day. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) And she said, hi, I'm Sue, you don't know me and I don't really know you but I've just stumbled across your website um, I've had a listen to your show reel, and we're actually looking for a composer for our long-running series uh, called Winners and Losers on Channel 7. Oh, now, at the time, uh, Winners and Losers, this was back in 2011, I think, yeah. 11 or 12, and at the time, Winners and Losers, um, it was Australia's most watched drama. Right. Um, and they'd already done one or two seasons and they were looking for a new composer for their third season onwards. Would I be interested? You went, no, no, sorry, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm busy. Moving on. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, I am so excited for you already. <laughs> uh, I mean, for a young 25-year-old yeah. at that time, but, I but thought... But who's also been busting her ass. I mean, you were putting in some seriously hard work to get out there. So, that's I it. mean, there's a lot of people sit and wait for things to happen. I don't think you're that person. <laughs> no, it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, you just got lucky. And I thought, well, that's probably part of it. But I feel like you make your own luck and, you know, you have to put yourself out there in order oh, for your opportunities you to come. So. Yeah, I don't see any of that as luck so far. Everything you've told me has been hard work. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work. But look, I, um, I ended up having to pitch for the job. So they had a couple of composers who they were considering. And I thought, oh, goodness me, you know, this is, this is, this is my moment. I have to get this. This could be a turning point. So I cleared my schedule. Um, I cancelled all my students that I was teaching because I was still teaching privately a little bit around the edges just to to make some money. Yeah. So teaching private piano, and um, so I um, I pitched. I, I they got me to write music to a previous episode to show them right. what you know what kind of ideas I had for the show, and I. Turned up to my first meeting with the um, the producer and everyone on board the the team, and presented to them. And I just thought, I've messed this up. I'm terrible. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is just not oh, happening. Stop. Is it? I'm not going to get it. <laughs> anyway, uh, about two hours after the meeting finished, I got a call, and uh, it was this very um, very sort of uh, stern sounding man on the other end of the line. Hi, Amy. We've had a, a discussion and uh, we'd love to offer you the job. <laughs> oh, Just my very God. sort of matter of fact about it. And I, I tried to hide my excitement. <laughs> oh, that's such great news, trying to be very professional yeah, yeah. as I was, you know, just ecstatic. And then the next week I was working full-time as a film composer, as a TV composer, writing yeah. for this for this show and it went on to have five seasons so I was working for them for four years wow um, so and getting to know everyone at channel seven or wherever it was as yeah well, I guess. yeah so. channel seven so that was an amazing experience and then after that happened I started getting calls from right. left right and center the next um the next call I got randomly out of the blue was um from um, a, a manager, a, a, an artist manager who called me and wanted to know if I wanted to work on a film that was being produced by 20th Century Fox in L.A. Well, hey. And I thought, ah, uh, 
wait, are you calling me? Like, is this the wrong number? What's going on? (laughs) And that then turned into working on a project with James Cameron. So I wrote... um, Oh, my giddy aunt. You're kidding me. So for anyone that is listening, James Cameron, amongst other things, did Titanic. Yeah, Titanic, Avatar. Big, big movies. Yeah. And he did did Avatar too, didn't he? He did do Avatar, yeah. So I don't know whether you've seen it, but he made a documentary a few years back about um, his descent to the bottom of the ocean. I, I didn't watch it because it didn't the it, the topic didn't interest yeah. me, but I do know of it because I, I remember seeing that. Did you do the yeah. music for that? So I worked on that. So there were actually three of us composers who worked together on that score. So we co-wrote the score, and we were nominated for an Australian Academy Award, so the, um, the oh Actor Award for Best Score for a Documentary. So it was all happening. It was all rolling along, and I ended up working um, on a show for, um, with Hamish and Andy. I worked on Bluey. I don't know if you know that. It's a gorgeous little kids animation. Kids show. It's, um, yes, going gangbusters at the moment. I, I worked on Home and Away. Um, uh, it all sort of started to, you know, yeah. unravel from there. Um, so, yeah, so that's sort of, that's, that's a little portion of my life. And then... Um, and then COVID kind of happened and, you know, the industry has really struggled. I think it's like productions are on hold and um, it's a very difficult So literally space. though, hang on. So literally you've been working for Channel 7 up until Christmas last year or the beginning uh, of this year? No, I mean, I'm a, I'm a freelancer essentially. Oh, well, so, I mean, I'm contracted to, to, to these networks um, and I can, you know, depending on what the contract is, I might nip in for one season and then go somewhere else. And Oh, that sounds so glamorous. Yeah. I just nip in for a season. <laughs> I Love don't know it. if it's that glamorous. But it's it can also, feel a bit it's, unstable. <laughs> but it's also for me because when you think of what your grandmother used to do telling you stories, and I mean, it's just so beautiful that you're actually doing it. I just think that's amazing. Right, so COVID comes and a huge challenge comes yeah, with it. Yeah, look, I honestly think that the industry was in trouble before COVID and I think COVID was, is, you know, the straw that sort of really made the, you know... Are you bro- talking about the television industry? Yeah, television and film and just film music in general. It has... I have noticed a massive change over the last 10 years of, um, you know, the way productions are done and um, and the budgets that are available. It's um, It's continuously... Um, yeah, I think becoming more and more challenging for people to make a full-time living out of it. Um, right. So I felt very lucky for a really long time to have found work and to yeah. have been active in the industry. And I started to receive a lot of emails from young up-and-coming composers, just like I was, you know, not that long ago, yeah, asking right you know, how do I get into the industry? How do I start? How do I get to where you are? How do you, how do you even do it? Yeah. And so I took a few of those on as private, as students really, just yep. giving them um, mentorship and, um, and guiding them and, you know, giving them uh, musical tools and working through um, specific musical things that they need to do. And I, I noticed that it was it seemed to be a lot harder for them to really to get a foot in the door than than what it was for me, you know, sort of eight years ago. Right. So I set up a um a social platform called Composify. 
um, which is um, basically a community for, for music creators, composers, songwriters to sort of come together and share their experiences and basically taking you know, all these questions that I was getting from these young composers that were emailing me and just giving them some guidance and a platform to share their ideas and to share their frustrations and their concerns and how do I do this and how should I put together a showreel and what should I do with it and how should I contact a director and all those kinds of things that you you don't learn in school that you're not taught you need somebody in the industry to tell you yeah I wasn't taught these things at the conservatorium I mean I had to really figure it figure these things out as I as I went so So all of this was sort of happening, I would say, over the last 18 months or so. And it was just things were changing and I was noticing a different sort of landscape. Um, So so I I started to take a little bit of a backseat in terms of taking on new projects. I would be a little more choosy about what I what I took on and only really working on projects I either believed in or, um, you know, I felt an affinity for. And then, yeah, and then COVID kind of kind of came along and um, production kind of did come to a bit of a screeching halt. And um, yes. obviously, yeah, it's, it's really hard for every industry at the moment. And, um, and I decided um, at that point that I was still teaching um, some, some piano and, and then it all just kind of, you know, the Virtual Piano Academy thing sort of organically came, came out of that. And this... This is something that I'm now feeling very passionate about and I've taken a bit of a backseat in my film composing career to really push this Virtual Piano Academy forward. So look, it's a yeah, it's a state of flux with the film composing for me at the moment. So But I think I think you know, just my take on the media <clears throat> and obviously, you know, I've I've had a TV show now and I'm moving into other things. I feel like everything's changing. It is. I just feel like the old model for the media was broken. Yeah. And that there is a new model coming and we don't know what it is yet. And I mean, you know, in my case, I'm hoping to start a channel like Netflix. I don't think I'll be alone. I'm sure there are other people thinking about doing that. So it may be that TV is on-demand TV becomes the, the, the feeder for all of this. But again... You know, having interviews like this is great because it gets the word out. I didn't even know that there were, you know, composers that worked with shows. I thought they just went and bought some stock music or well, something see, like that. Well, see, that's also a, a, another another challenge because um, bespoke music and writing, uh, you know, very tailored music to a production is something that used to happen a lot more. And people had the budgets to spend on hiring yeah. a composer to create, you know, original music for something. But nowadays with budgets shrinking and there's less grants and funding opportunities available. But hopefully that will change because when I think about photography, for instance, when stock photography came out, yeah. everybody started yeah. using it. But the reality is, and I teach people about PR all the time, nobody what we can pick a stock photography. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it in their magazines and books. No one wants it really on their website. So photographers who probably for the last 10 years have had to take a bit of a backseat, I think we'll see a huge resurgence coming. And I'm sure the same thing will happen for you. I think there's kind of that idea of let's take the easy way out. But actually, you can mm. tell it's mm. a cheap and nasty alternative. And things go in cycles, you know, like you said. I mean, that's right. yeah, there's definitely been um, a... a a moment where people are using stock music and it's easy and it's cheap but then you know people listen and I do it too I'm listening to a Netflix show and I go oh 
There's that track. I recognize that track. That's from that spot. I've heard that on that ad and I've heard it over here because it's a stock track. You know, it's library music and it can be used all over the place. And so it does start to sound very generic. And I think over time, you know, people that, yeah, are... Yes, and in the meantime, you're helping this next generation of composers. You're now the one who's more experienced and able to help them. And there is no doubt at all that, you know, give it two years from now, maybe, we'll be looking at a whole different media landscape. And I'm sure that original music will be really important. It is. I, I just think that the business model is going to going to change a little bit. We've been very much a work for hire kind of service up until now, and we get right. paid to you know work on a specific project, and then you move on to the next one. And I'm seeing that composers in my age group are are actually becoming a more active part of the production company, and they're, yeah, they're sort of they're being paid in terms of a share of the company as opposed to being paid a royalty or a oh, good. fee. So that... I feel like things are shifting and moving. It's a very um, interesting space to be in at the moment. It's very confusing, though, I think, for a lot of people coming into it at the moment, just going, how is this? How do I make money out of this? How do I make a yeah. business out of writing music? And it's no one really has the answers. Um, like a No, but to find an entrepreneurial news- musician, I know, because I used to hang around with musicians all the time, is really unusual. So I have no doubt at all that you're going to rise way up to the top because, <laughs> you know, just having some business now yeah. and some creativity is fine. But when you actually apply it and get on and do things, which is obviously what you're doing, it's very different to 95%, 98% of people yeah, out there I do who feel talk a about bit, it. I do feel for the for the for musicians sometimes and creative people. Oh, it's people, awful. Photographers included, you know, all, all of those, you know, everyone who's creating content is creative because I feel like, you know, talent is just a small portion of it. And alone, talent isn't enough to build a business from no. uh, from a creative um skill no, that's right um and i've i've really recognized that and i feel like part of the fact that i've had some success has been because a i'm a little bit naive and i just follow these crazy dreams but b We're- i do treat it like a business and i do say no to things and i do put yeah. my foot down and say no I'm, i need to be paid for that and um, you know, I am a little bit of a hard ass sometimes, and I think you kind of have to be. But also, I've I've recognised that, and I'm doing an MBA as well. So I, I'm trying to bring these two what feels like two wow, opposing worlds Amy. together, <laughs> and bridging that gap a little bit more. Oh, you totally will, and I do feel that you know the change is coming. And it the thing is that a lot of composers probably don't really have a loud voice either. So if it's important that you get out there and you explain to people how it was because they might not even be aware, mm. you know, that for, because people are now starting TV shows on YouTube. There's all sorts of interesting things happening. In fact, there's a woman I've been working with, Fiona Harris, who's done um, a podcast episode with me and she's a director and she started a series on YouTube that Channel 10, 10, 9 have just picked up. So it's it's all got its own little world. In the end, though, I do think the free-to-air channels are either going to have to change dramatically or they're going to die like the dinosaurs yeah. they are at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's definitely change in the water. And I think, you know, and part like COVID has been a real challenge for a lot of us, but I think it's also forced us to think differently and pushed us into a new space. And I think yes. I've seen like yourself and, you know, that a lot of other people really sort of taking that challenge and running with a new idea and 
innovating and you know you sort of adapt or die right you have to you have to push forward and find solutions to problems and again that's sort of where something like virtual piano academy sort of has come from just this crazy idea and then okay let's give that a go and let's push and see if that's a model that can work and then going actually why didn't we do this before it's actually better (laughs) don't tell anyone all right so Let me now just ask you a few other um, little questions. One is you've mentioned a couple of women that have helped you along the way, so I'm guessing you do have names for these people. But um, because this is a show about female founders and women supporting other women, I always ask people if there are any women that stand out that really helped you on the way and how they helped you. Can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would not be where I am today without the wonderful, inspiring women and strong women in my life. I mean, my grandmother and my mother, obviously, they're the first yeah. two very inspiring women in my life. And and con- my mother continues to be. My grandmother has since passed. But both just never let me... Um, uh, I guess they, they they were always encouraging me to follow my dreams. And uh, no was never a word that I was allowed to use. And I think that put me in a really good, you know, mental space to believe in myself and to push towards those Absolutely. crazy dreams. So they're, they're two that I would, um, you know, say from a young age have really inspired me. Um, I've had some amazing piano teachers and they've all been women. And my very oh, yes. first... Um, one of my very first piano teachers encouraged me to write my first piano piece and would right. sit with me. Pains, it must have been so painful for her, the poor thing. But I would you know, come to my lesson, I'd start to fiddle around on the piano keys with something and she would then help me painstakingly write it all out on a piece of manuscript. And that really did encourage my love of writing music. So um, Jenny Fox is her name and she was, yeah, one of my first piano teachers. And then I had another amazing piano teacher, Anne Young Husband, who I am still in touch with today. Oh, gorgeous. 20 years later. <laughs> and then the wonderful woman from Home and Away or Channel 7. Yes, Sue, um, so Sue Washington. So she was the woman who really gave me a foot in the door in terms of um, getting my screen music career going. So she was at the time, she's retired now, but at the time she was the post-production supervisor of the show Winners and Losers, which was um, uh, an in-house uh, show at Channel 7. Um, so there's some amazing women. My partner, yeah. Georgie, is also an incredible woman. She encourages me every single day to follow my dreams and she sees Fantastic. it from the ground level. So, you know, all the really hard day-to-day stuff. Um, so there's been some, yeah, Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderfully it actually amazing. sounds like your industry does have a lot more women and women who are successful than... Uh, say a lot of other industries. I don't know. Just from what you're saying, it does sound like there's quite a lot of women in, who are composing and, and well, doing music. Well, when as well. I first started um, composing, I couldn't find another female composer wow. doing film. Yeah, I, I know some now because I'm in yeah. the industry, but there's not that many of us. I mean, if you were to think oh, about so it, I got it completely wrong. Well, if you name one f- female film composer that you know. No, don't ask me that. I don't yeah. know. I don't pay any... No, no, Everyone not because says... of that. Just because it's like my boyfriend's a drummer and he goes, talk to me about the drum line and whatever. And I'm like, I don't even listen to drummers and I don't listen to the music track consciously anyway. I, I think it's hilarious that you were saying earlier, oh, yeah, I can hear those stock, that stock music because I barely hear the music. I'm too busy yeah. caught up in the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, but, but the... I love, yeah, love what you're doing. You know, if you ask that question to most people, they'll say, oh, I know Hans Zimmer, and that's about it. 
in terms of you right. know, people writing music for film. So women are still, you know, very much a minority in in my industry, and it's been. It, it, for a long, long time, I thought there was no way I was ever going to be able to write music for films because I didn't know any other woman who was actually doing it. So I thought, well, maybe they just don't. Um, so you know what? You, you need to go and align yourself with all those female directors and high-profile female actresses like Nicole Kidman that are now leading productions because exactly, I'm yeah, sure exa- they would support you. And you are right. It has definitely changed. There are a lot of women... Uh, producers out there at the moment and uh, yeah. like I have definitely started working with some of them and I've been very fortunate to meet them but in terms of actual film composers there's still not many women I'll go to film composer meetings and I am the only woman there and for right. a long time I thought that was a disadvantage and then I had a light bulb moment and I thought hold on a second I've got the USP I've got the unique selling That's proposition right. I'm a woman I'm different to you guys and I'm going to use that to my advantage oh, instead of thinking of it as a disadvantage yeah, so good as woman. soon as I sort of made that turn it changed everything Oh, I love that. Well, there, there you go. There's the, the key bit of advice out of all of this. And it's been a very inspiring chat, but that's a really good one. Okay, now we haven't got very much longer. So I'll just quickly ask you the last couple of questions. And I'm guessing because composing and music is such a part of your life. The question is, how do you juggle work and life? Do you do set hours? No. Or what sort of hours do you work? Is it, it's just all the time, I imagine. I juggle you. it very poorly, I must admit. <laughs> I mean, um, I know you Does can't... Does Georgie ever get to see you? <laughs> Not really, no. Right. <laughs> Look, I mean, um, when I was writing for, for film and, and television, a very, very busy period of my life for about eight years when I was really, really into it, very, very, um, you know, full on, I would... I would be working across time zones. So that means I would be up in the middle of the night chatting to someone in you know, LA or wherever it might be. So it was around the clock. Yeah. Um, and it was very, very hard to separate life and work. I have a recording studio in my house. So right. it, home and, and work are all in the I'm same space. <laughs> so it's very, very, very hard to, to separate that. And I did find that quite challenging. Um, in my 20s, I didn't find it such a big deal because I was happy to work really hard. But as I'm in, now, I'm in my 30s and I want more of a, a work life balance. So I yeah. have to force myself to really keep that separation. It's hard, it's really hard. But it um, is hard. You've got to kind of go, you know what? It's the end of work. Now I'm going to go into the land room and enjoy my weekend or enjoy my evening. I'm, and it is yeah. hard to do. I'm a bit of a workaholic. So I really do find it hard to switch off. But um, it's a work in progress, that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. Well, I mean, I guess the beautiful thing about music is that it is um, work and pleasure as well. So uh, mm. it, it's, you know, nice space to be in. Okay, last question. Well, second last question is, is there a quirky fact about you that no one really knows that you'd like to share? <laughs> <laughs> I love hitting people up with this. I, I mean, you don't have to, but I hear all sorts of strange answers so it's worth it's asking. It's so funny. If you ask my partner how she describes me in one word, it is quirky. Yeah, so right. I feel like, you know, maybe all of me is just quirky. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I um I think, you know, creative people have a lot of quirks that we don't yes, really see do. them as quirks. You know, I wouldn't call myself quirky, but I'm sure from an outsider's perspective I'm completely, you know, absolutely bonkers. But um I do I, I do com- pose like constantly 
um, around the house. Like my cat, for instance. Okay, here's a good one. My cat has its own theme tune. <laughs> right. Yeah, you really can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> no. And I will do arrangements of it, different versions. I, that Wow. I, I'm going to stop there because that is very, very embarrassing. <laughs> no, it isn't. I think that's really cool. I think that's really funny. Okay, now last couple of questions, and they're really nothing to do with anything else other than I'm nosy and I love my phone. And I always ask everyone, are there a couple of apps that you use for work on your phone that you would share with us? Not, I'm not interested in banking and email and things, but just other ones. I, I get a bit obsessed sometimes with apps. Like I'll just have a look yeah, at what's the latest <laughs> app. Like I'm actually, maybe in a previous life, I was like a developer or something because I do like to be nosy about you know, what apps are new and what's kind of happening in that space. And I would love to even like create an app one day. But um, Yes, me too. I use apps all the time. Like, So are there two that sort of stand out though that you would use for business? Um, hmm, That's a good question. I mean, I use so many. Like I've got, I've got so many apps and softwares. Because there'd be things like metronomes and all, excuse me. <clears throat> things like metronomes and things that you can get that are online and all sorts of things oh, you that can you can get, use. And... I mean, there's so many. You can get everything online, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I love it. Yeah. I was playing a board game once and we didn't have a dice and I was like, hang on oh. a minute. And I just go in, in, online and went, oh, there's an app with a dice. Let's use that. I know there's um, literally an app for everything, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And what about, are you a game player on your phone? Do you have games that you no, play with? No, I'm not, actually. No, oh, I don't play games at all. I just... I don't think I ever did any games and I've never done computer games till I got a smartphone and did flight control, which is controlling airplanes as they come into a to land on landing strips. And that got me going. And then Candy Crush, and I've been on Candy Crush for about three years. I'm such a sad sack. The, the plane My one actually sounds awesome. I do have a little bit of an obsession with aviation. I well, love there's what... flight control and then there's fly control and it's blowflies over a picnic <laughs> and rotten food and you've got to d- guide them back in as well. It's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, so there you go. There's a bit of fun for That's you. Hilarious. All right. We're going to have to go. This is right at the wire, but I have absolutely loved interviewing you. You are an amazing woman, incredibly inspiring, and I will... Uh, I can't wait for people to hear your story. It's great. Now, if anyone wants to get hold of you, Amy, what's the best way? The best way is to, um, I've got two websites. First of all, my personal website. So that's amybasto.com. And then the Virtual Piano Academy website. If you're keen to jump on and start learning piano, if you're just interested in, in, you know, in the the platform. So that's just uh, virtualpianoacademy.co. Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much. And, um... I'm going to really look for, I'm going to start looking at composers of movies too and wait for your name to pop up. I love it. So great to chat to you, Jules. Thanks so much for having me on the show. My pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebos.com.au.